Welcome to Tracks Through Time. I'm your host and FreightWaves Deputy Editor, Brielle Jekyll, and I'm here to tell you all about some of the most interesting stories in history um, throughout transportation and freight. And today I'm here with Mary O'Connell, and we have a special true crime episode today. Hi, Mary. I am so excited to be on here. Um, this is the one show that I do not miss every week, including my own. Um, I love a good, I love a good true crime situation. So, um, Brielle, please tell me a fun story. Yeah. So true crimes are always my favorite episodes. And today we are uncovering the infamous great train robbery that shocked the entire world in 1963. And so on a night out in, uh, August in 1963, a Glasgow to London Royal Mail train carried its cargo full of cash valuables and tons of letters uh and it, the second carriage of the train was considered a high value package carriage so in this carriage registered mail would be sorted uh, which would consist mostly of cash uh and on this particular day the cargo of the second carriage was much higher than normal because it was a bank holiday that weekend in scotland so on a normal day, the value of this carriage would be around 300,000 pounds. But on this day, there was 2.3 million pounds, which would almost be about 30 million today. I will have you know that right now I'm picturing there's a Fabergé egg inside that carriage. <laughs> I'm just picturing mounds of jewels and, and cash. Oh, just like Scrooge McDuck is about yes. to roll around in the carriage. <laughs> yes. But in reality, it's actually packages full of cash and whatever that are literally labeled high value package so those little like um, mail pamphlets that you think of when you're sending them. so they're on their way to scrooge mcduck's house yes yes <laughs> so the crew transporting this massive load had no idea that they would soon go up against a gang of criminals who were waiting in the shadows they were plotting a heist that would really go down in history so the great train robbery began when the gang pampered with the signal lights, which forced the train to screech to a halt in the, a remote countryside. So the driver of the engine, Jack Mills, saw a red signal at Sears Crossing at around 3 a.m. on August 1963. But the signal was actually fake. The gang had stuffed a glove onto the real light signal, and then they shined a red light powered by a six-volt battery. So then co-driver David Whitby got out to see what the problem was, and he found that there were cables from the line side phone that were cut. Right after he discovered this, he was attacked and thrown down the nearby embankment. At the same time, Mills, the, the regular driver, was attacked by a masked man in an attack that would leave him with lasting brain damage. He actually would eventually die a few years later. Um, it's unknown if it's related to the brain damage, but it, it could very well have led to his death. Um, he was knocked unconscious for a bit uh, while other gang members detached carriages and left the high value property carriages attached to the engine. 
I mean, if they're going to steal, at least they did the good thing of like leave the high value stuff there. But that is super depressing about that driver. Like wrong. They're not like, leaving the high value one. They detached the non value high value one so that they could keep the high value, the two high value cards. Listening is easy. <laughs> but yeah, that poor guy. So the plan was to drive the train further along its route to a new predetermined location that allowed for an easier way of unloading the stolen loot. One of the robbers spent months before the robbery um, studying trains and befriending local train operators so he could figure out how to drive the train after they took control. But once the gang took over the engine, they realized that this particular train was a lot more complicated than the local trains they had studied. So they made sure that uh, Mills came back um, from being knocked unconscious. They woke him up and he forced and they forced him to drive the train. That's exactly what I want as someone on as a passenger on that train. Someone with a massive traumatic brain injury to start driving me. Yeah. And the safety there. I can't imagine how horrifying this whole thing would be. I mean, to get beaten and then having to be forced, being confused and then being forced to finish the drive is just kind of uh, send chills up my spine. <laughs> but at the same time, postal workers in the high value packet coach, they were unaware of the robbery. So they are, are going about their day working, having no clue that this is happening in the front in the front engine. So they noticed that the, the engine started to pull away and they heard steam escaping and the following carriages they noticed were detached. So they thought this was an accidental break. They started shouting to bring attention to the problem until one of the windows was smashed in from the outside. And that's when they realized they were being robbed and they realized the gravity of the danger, dangerous situation that they were in. One of the workers yelled out that it's a raid um, and then the workers in the coach tried really hard to fend off the gang members and keep the doors closed, but they were unsuccessful. One of the thieves stood, stood over all of the workers as a guard while the other uh, gang members threw bags of the high value packets out of the coach. Then those packets, those bags were transported to a getaway, getaway car. In total, they removed 120 mail stacks with 2.5 tons of money. Um, the gang ordered the post officer, uh, post office workers to remain in the coach for, for 30 minutes before they were able to move or contact the police. When you say they're like throwing things from the train, I'm fully just picturing someone like throwing it out the window into like a getaway car driving the same speed as the train, like in all <laughs> the old movies. It was close to that, but it was a little messier. I'm pretty sure they just threw it out onto the ground and then a bunch of, there was like a relay like that brought it to the, <laughs> um, but um, it was, it, it was definitely in my head, it's definitely old timey train robbery, even though it was only in the 60s. Yeah. There's like someone on a horse, like riding right. next to it with like a wagon. They're just throwing it into. They have the mask with the black <laughs> straight out of the Zorro. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing. So it was quickly uh, surmised that the gang had inside information and had even brought their own train driver to ensure a smooth operation, which ended up not working out, as I said before. Um, but the 30-minute command also alluded that their hideaway location had to be within 30 minutes of the theft site. And uh, the investigator's suspicion proved 
correct uh, as they discovered that the gang had rented an old farmhouse in Oakley, Vermanshire, known as the, forgive my pronunciation, but the Leather Slade Farms. <laughs> Over the next few days, the gang divided the stolen cash among themselves, even playing Monopoly using real money. Like the actual board game Monopoly, like they sat there and put like $500 on park plays. Yep. Instead I, of using Monopoly money, they used the stolen cash. As someone who is not great at Monopoly, nor do I always have the patience to see through the end of a game of Monopoly, I could never do that with real money. Like I get anxiety when I play like poker at a friend's house for more than 25 cents a hand. I think it would there would be a lot of board throwing for me. It'd be the scene straight out of Third Rock from the Sun where she picks it up and shoves it down the garbage disposal and flips it on. That would be it. And I would take everyone's money. It's like, no, we're done. Well, it ended up being uh, a bad idea in more ways than just that. Um, a The same time that they were having fun, playing Monopoly, hanging out in this farmhouse, a large-scale police investigation was launched, which was led by the Flying Squad at Scotland Yard and senior detectives from the Birminghamshire Police with Detective Chief Superintendent Jack Slipper in overall command. Jack Slipper sounds like a movie <laughs> name. It's, it does. It sounds like I'm Detective Jack Slipper. It feels like a something straight out of Die Hard. That's exactly <laughs> what a perfect name. <laughs> so while the British Transport Police played a minor role in the investigation, assisting with inquiries and uh, a scanning list of staff and suspects, a nearby resident grew suspicious of the activity at the farm, and he reported it to, to the police. He saw windows blacked out. Um, people show up uh, uh, after the uh, roughly 30 minutes after the train robbery, and he, he got very suspicious. So he contacted the police, and Constable John Woolley responded to the report, and he found abandoned food, provisions, sleeping bags, bedding, and tons of other incriminating items, which include fingerprints on the Monopoly board and a ketchup bottle. I don't know where that ketchup bottle comes into play unless maybe they got really mad at somebody and like bashed them over the head over Monopoly. Um, But also, this is another point for the nosy neighbors of the neighborhood. This is another, another point for them. I know this reminds me of my husband constantly trying to figure out what's going on with the neighbor's house. <laughs> like that was, <laughs> he was a Karen neighbor that it, it I mean, we got justice from it, <laughs> but I just love the thought of them all hanging out and having fun and thinking, um, look what we did and playing Monopoly and then not realizing that that Monopoly board game would actually be their downfall. Um, you can actually see a picture of the kitchen. So they were living there for a little bit. So that's where that ketchup bottle comes from. They were, you know, imagine imagining them uh, eating burgers and hot dogs, just hanging out, um, splitting up their cash. <laughs> but so while the first half of it was meticulously planned, um, the robbery, the, I guess the splitting up of the cash wasn't so much. So and for the Monopoly game, yeah, I, mean, I guess I guess there was like some really high stakes Monopoly. I feel like if anything, if you're going to have a game where you award a bunch of cash, you got to play life. They at least get up into like the tens and twenties of thousands. Monopoly is chump change for divvying up an entire like card of things. They probably upped it more. 
you know, they probably added on their house noodles monopoly. Yeah, exactly. $50,000 buy-in. <laughs> now I gotta, I gotta break out all these little games. So the investigation revealed that the gang actually spent, um, months gathering information and studying the train's route and schedules. And they definitely had an insider who provided all these critical details. Uh, and allowed them to actually tamper with the signals and take control of the train. It turns out that there was no way that they would be able to do um, mostly the signal and other things by themselves. They definitely had an insider um, at the, either in the train companies or in the postal service or both. There, it's it's kind of like an Ocean's Thirteen, but I have a feeling they might not be successfully getting away with it like they do in the Ocean's movies. Well, it's half and half. So uh, the level on planning of the uh, organization was really astonishing, but um, it didn't work out for most of them. Um, A lot of the gang members were um, certainly arrested, um, but not all. Um, They faced trial and they received a total of 307 years of imprisonment altogether. Um, But their story actually doesn't end there. A substantial portion of the stolen money remained missing, sparking intense speculation and countless theories about its fate, much like the D.B. Cooper uh, story. Um, The great train robbery not only captivated the public's attention, but it also had significant impact on popular culture. Movies, books, documentaries, they all delved into the audacious crime immortalizing it as one of the most daring heists in history. The missing money has sparked numerous theories over the years. Some believe the gang hid the money in secret locations, and others speculate that it was laundered through various channels. There are even theories that the funds were used to finance other criminal activities. I would like to propose my own theory of what happened. They, um, first of all, they buried some money with the Loch Ness Monster. I know it's in Scotland and that's like different from the UK, but like it's close enough. Um, So maybe some money is hiding with the Loch Ness Monster. Um, The other one I have is that they saw how well this worked. And so they spun it off into um, it's a mad, 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 mad world or rat race. Uh, One of the movies where they have to go dig up the little buried treasure um, so I like to think that they just contributed to generations of that. Or maybe uh, it's the whole reason that there's that show, The Curse of the Oak Island, where they just keep digging on this island and someday hope to find treasure. I say they used it. We're going to tie it to a, a tracks through time universe. I say they used it to then do the left on side. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I see this uh, this over this this beginning of the tracks through time universe where all the stories are together connected yes it's all the same universe (laughs) marvel watch out here comes tracks through time tracks through time um well uh so obviously it had a lasting impression um it really became a cultural phenomenon like i said lots of books movies documentaries even songs um and it really captured the imagination of uh people worldwide messing its place in crime lore I'm sorry, a song? A song about a train robbery. That is, um, I think that's going to be a first for me. I mean, I know that um, there's a lot of interesting songs out there, but I have to admit, uh, a song about the great train robbery, I'm just picturing a lot of banjo and uh, some some like washboard situation. Well, um, one of the 
is from a Jamaican reggae group. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, man. Um, I don't know if it was specifically about that, but, um, you know. I dig it. I, I really like it. Um, I did not know anything about this great train robbery, but, you know, I do love a good train story. Um, train train movies are my favorite type of movies, um, so much so the other day we watched Bullet Train um, and it uh, the way that my fiance sold it to me was it's a movie that takes place on a train. And I was like immediately in immediately. Yes, immediately. Yes. Um, if you are interested in finding out some of our favorite movies on trains at freight waves take a look at freight waves classic we have a roundup of all of our favorite train movies uh up right now uh that we published last week which is a really fun read i actually have seen that list and i agree with most of it there are some honorable mentions um that i did slide into our editor's dms about maybe um a train train movie volume two um but we'll see how that goes we might have to wait for the end of the summer to recap uh, the best train movies of the song. We'll see. Maybe I'll do, um, I don't know, a best air cargo. <laughs> I don't, oh, the, I mean, Con Air has to be on there for sure. Well, obviously. What about um, Flight Plan? Does that count? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, I have train fun facts for you, if you would yep. like. I was just going to say, so that's all I have for you today on the Great Train Robbery. Uh, specifically but now mary is going to delight us with some fun facts uh as anyone knows who's probably listened to 30 seconds of our serious xm i'm a fun fact queen so we love fun facts um and that you know how there's like the train horsepower like your car horsepower like this truck goes 700 horsepowers i clearly know so much about it um, but that actually came as a marketing thing when they first invented the steam engine. It was supposed to be like, hey, this is how much power this machine has over horses. Um, so it literally just started as uh, marketing. And now it's like, you know, interwoven into every vehicle purchase ever. Um, I know horsepower means something. Couldn't tell you what it what it means on a car. I just know it makes it go fast. I think it's amazing how much marketing actually impacts our daily, like, like it's just society in general. So a marketing term, a, a term used for marketing is now actually used to measure um, the power of an engine. I think that's amazing. Um, and then as everyone probably knows, trains are the reason that, you know, the union won the Civil War um, because they were able to transport um, ammunition, weapons, supplies, clothing, everything that they needed. They were able to transport that on trains, which got there faster than, um, horse and carriages. And they were less susceptible to being attacked. Uh, and cause if someone on a horse and carriage gets attacked, then it stops going, but it's much harder to attack, to attack and steam engine train with like three people. True. And except in this story, because they had a lot more, but they had a lot more planning than just like, Hey, there's a train. Let's go jump on it. It's actually um, trains are the reason why the Panama Canal exists, which you can also find out in a previous track through time episode. But on that episode, we found out that um, that's how they were able to make it happen because they were able to transport all the things, the people and the stuff that they need. I like it. The um, my favorite thing is that, you know, how when you take like Amtrak or like one of the other trains, there's those, you've seen in movies, there's those sleeper cars. 
So those used to not be on trains until President Lincoln got assassinated. So it was kind of like um, they were you just had seats like you'd have on a train. Um, But after President Lincoln got assassinated, um, George Pullman actually invented or came up with this sleeper car that you could attach to your train. Um, But he was kind of having a hard time getting it off the ground. Um, But as everyone knows, after President Lincoln was assassinated, he went on that tour of the northern cities before he was laid to rest in Springfield, Illinois. He actually, um, because of that, the Mary Todd Lincoln, his wife, requested one of those sleeper cars so that way she could travel with the plane, or not the plane, the train, and get um, some sleep as she was traveling around. And because of that, um, that's the reason that you're able to book a sleeper car on any train that you want. That's crazy. You would think that it would just be a natural invention, um, but but it actually has a story behind it. I think that you and I need to do a sleeper car, like old train tour one day. Tracks through time on the road. Yes. Can't we take an Amtrak? Oh, we should take an Amtrak to Cleveland and just document it all through there. Um, There actually is something where you can, um, there actually is something where you can take like an Amtrak train through like, like a two days on it throughout west and you get to go through all these mountains and it's beautiful um and that seems really cool until i remember that you have to actually like you don't get to get off and like explore at that area like you get to get off for like five minutes and then get back on or like get on yeah. minutes if it's a longer stop um and then that's less fun because then you're yeah. just trapped on a train for two days but i i just think that there's something about traveling by train that just brings you back the beginning of america <laughs> yeah a hundred percent um then i have one more quick train fun fact for you um you know travel agents like all across the world that will book you places to the bahamas to like fiji etc cetera, etc cetera. they all got their start because of trains um in the late 1800s there is this man thomas cook he was a baptist minister he organized a train excursion for a whole bunch of his parishioners and it actually happened in the UK in London. And he negotiated this at fair for passengers, tickets, meals, the whole nine yards. Um, he basically was the first travel agent um, booking all this stuff for his people. And so basically all people had to do was pay him. And they had a comprehensive package that was lodging and food and train tickets and all that. And um, they, they are the reason that we have travel agents today. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> Trains, just, just, hey, if you know what, if you want to know where something happened, start with trains. Trains run the world. Well, they did. <laughs> they certainly created uh, the U.S. I wrote about that at the start of the um, B&O Railroad. Um, kind of really what made the U.S. what it is today, because we were able to expand, um, you know, through the steam engine. I do think it's appropriate that the people who robbed the train played Monopoly I wonder if the person who got all four trains got like an added bonus. Wait, I bet they did that on purpose to be like Mr. Moneybags. They had to be like, it's got to be Monopoly. I mean, I don't know how many choices of games they had in, well, like, but <laughs> there was a yeah, lot of a lot of existed in the late right. 60s. Like they had, they had checkers, dominoes, card games, a whole bunch of things that don't require a bunch of tiny pieces and are notorious for dividing families. <laughs> And catching you after your massive train robbery. What's the success? With like, at least with like a deck of cards, like someone can stick it in their pocket and you're not leaving incriminating evidence behind. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely dropped the ball on that one. Yes. 
But, you know, hey, that's okay. Crime, another lesson, kids. Crime does not pay. Clearly. All right. So that marks the end of today's episode, which means I have your not train-related fun facts today. Um, As everyone knows, well, as my friends and family know, I am a huge Possum fan. So that's a fun fact is that Brielle loves Possum. And um, so I've been holding on to this fun fact. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, possums are actually uh, not able to carry rabies and they're known for eating ticks. Um, so I just like to put that out in the world as our fun fact for the day. Because it's a yet another reason thing. to not harm possums. They Don't do a lot more good for the environment than you think. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Mary, for uh, helping me out on this one. And thank you so much to the Postal Museum for um, uh, our source on this one and also Britannica. Um, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Brielle to see what else we have going on at FreightWaves Classics and track through time. You can also email me at bjakel at FreightWaves.com and tune in or in two weeks for our next episode on Freight Waves TV or listen to wherever you get your podcasts.